Hey everybody, on today's episode we're going to be talking to Mr. Dan Abraham. He is making his return appearance. He was with us in Chicago at the Coaches Convention last year. He is with us in Baltimore this year to talk sports psychology, how best to prepare yourself, why my wife is smarter than me. Yes, that's in there. Uh, It was already known, but it's in there as well. Lots of other very interesting topics, including how Dan helps athletes get the best out of their mental performance, how they deal with social media, and sort of pressures that come from that. Uh, Dan is excellent as always, but I also wanted to let you know that today's episode of the Total Soccer show is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. Not ETFs, as I once mistakenly called it, ETFs. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash, and with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. Where else are you going to be able to buy a Tesla for $1? And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn, or just Looking for a better experience? Stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to totalsoccer.robinhood.com. That's totalsoccer.robinhood.com. Now for the disclosure. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove. I'm at the Baltimore United Soccer Coaches Convention. I'm with my co-host, as always, Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello there. And we are joined, sitting in the middle of us, it's sports psychologist Dan Abrams. Dan, welcome back to the Total Soccer Show. I am so delighted to be here. Um, I'm thrilled. It's been a year since we've spoken. Yeah. Um, it's been such a long year. I mean, the days have just dragged by. <laughs> I've just been waiting. An- the anticipation of coming back here. It's the only reason I'm back here, actually. It's the only reason I got on that flight at Heathrow Airport, landed in Baltimore, because I just wanted to be on your show, to be quite I like that uh, prior to recording, Dan said he had been on, I think, a, c- a couple different podcasts, and I do feel like if we listen to them, you're going to hear you say that every single time. Ah. You've got my script. You've caught me out. <laughs> yes. It was really a bit of a drag to come here, to be honest. I'm absolutely exhausted, but I'm, you know, I'm trying. We are happy to have We are indeed. No, I we enjoyed our conversation here. last year. Tell and I were talking earlier um, before you came over and joined us. Like, what did we ask Dan last year? We want to make sure to not ask the same questions again. So, if you if you have any deja vu moments, let us know. Yeah, but you've got to understand the secret here is that basically you'll ask me different questions, but I'll give you the same answers because there's only so many answers you can give in sports psychology. So it's going to be a bit Just of deja press A, press B, press yeah, C. So, but reinforcement is what it's all about in my world. So you know your audience are just going to get reinforcement. Basically. <laughs> not really. You're going to get a whole gamut and array of different answers. But one thing I want to ask Taylor actually now I'm here. Oh how's boy. your legend? of a wife I was wondering if you could remember that if if you remember we we, we decided that she is a legend because she uh, and smarter than me very important to note that she engages in mental contrasting I think we worked out last year and uh, we did you uh, you were most miffed that, Wait, uh, did you guys talk about this before we started recording, or did Dan just no, remember Dan this? No, Dan just remembered. Remember oh, wow. 
That's, no, a, that's, that's a lockbox up there. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, I practice what I preach. I <laughs> yeah. remember stuff, right? So, no, for, r- remind us, what was mental contrasting? So mental contrasting, what, you, I, I think you introduced uh, the, the notion that you're one. Oh, it was a very leading question for sure, yeah, and you no, shut me down hard correctly. No, what, no, what you said was that, uh, you know, you were kind of asking me about, oh, my wife says that, because I think she, she run or something like that. It was, it was mostly in, it's, uh, school, mostly. She was in law school at the time, and I yeah. think it was about how she visualizes yeah. the worst case scenario. She visualizes the worst case scenario, and you were going, that's crazy, that kind, that's pseudoscientific, right? That's not proper sports <laughs> psychology or proper psychology. And I was like, well, actually, then, Taylor, your wife is a legend because she's engaging in something called mental contrasting, which is to picture the worst case scenario and then to strategize how she's going to be able to deal with that. The, the so. point that I think I left off is that she fails to do the strategizing part, and she's just like, <laughs> if I prepare for the worst by thinking about the worst case thing, then it will be fine. And instead, I think it gives her more anxiety. So I'm actually going to redirect by saying a thing that you tweeted very recently has helped both of us. It was, um, and I'm going to paraphrase, you pick up whenever you feel like it, but it was about how I tend to, before I have a game, I just find myself getting really, really anxious about it. And I will think about the game, but not about the actual moments. And you had a tweet that was basically like, visualize the moment of like, how am I going to do this? Or what is it that's making me nervous? And then how am I going to deal with that in a game? And the idea of picturing those specific moments and planning for them, then when they happen, it's like, oh, I kind of prepared for this. And you feel a bit more structured in things. Absolutely, absolutely. I think the more specific you can be with that form of mental rehearsal, the more impactful and effective and efficacious it, 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 it can, it, that strategy can be, the more chance you've got of actually replicating that on the pitch. You know, I think that's so important. And ultimately, what you've got to remember, and let's talk about soccer here, soccer, but it's the same with any sport, is that ultimately performance is just behavior mm-hmm. in many respects. Performance is just behavior. And so if you think about what behaviors do I want to engage in on the pitch, you know, I want to make my runs, I have movement, I, I want to link up with the midfield or the defense or, you know, whatever position you're playing. If I'm a striker, I want to search for space, find that space, I want to attack that six-yard area, whatever it is, just by picturing those specific behaviors and then if you say you know you know if i if i'm a striker and i'm struggling to lose my marker okay that might happen during the game because i might be up against a big strong tough defender Mm. okay what am i going to do about that how am i going to deal with that well i'm going to keep running i'm going to keep moving i'm going to keep my body language good i'm going to stay positive in my behaviors i'm going to keep searching for those little clues related to space and, and and where the ball is and and if you picture that and you make that an objective of yours going into the game, that's what I'm going to do. And nothing is going to stop me doing that. Those are the key behaviors I'm going to engage in. That's a really, really practical form of mental rehearsal, if you like. So it sounds like what you're saying is, like, say if Taylor already has those behaviors, because yes. I've seen him run around and try and lose a marker, <laughs> that part of the key <laughs> is to not give up on it, right? Because maybe the defender tracks him the first few times, yeah. but Taylor could, his shoulders could slump and he's like, oh, this is pointless. Mm. I'm just going to... Yeah not put as much in is it just about like like sticking with the plan basically it is but let let me let me take you up on your 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 little hey i'm a psychologist so i pick on all bits of language and when you say it's just about we've got to be very very careful there because there's a big difference between knowing and doing okay we can know what we want to do but then we don't necessarily go and do it and the most powerful thing on the pitch 
in my opinion, is your nervous system. Mm. And you can guarantee that it's your nervous system and your brain that is going to break down. It, uh, you know, it's under pressure. It's going to break down if you're not playing so well. It's going to release cortisol, your stress hormone, and you're going to engage in performance anxiety. Mm. And you're going to create a narrative out there, an evaluation. Oh, it's not going well. It's not my game. Oh, the midfielders, they're not getting the ball up to me. You know, and it's not fair. And oh, well, I'll write this game off. And you might only be halfway through the game, right? When you start to say that. And, and, and those feel ultimately it comes back to feeling. Your nervous system is about feeling. You know, it's sending those biological, uh, you know, uh, responses that make you feel a bit flat or lethargic. And you've got to be able to deal with that, uh, Daryl. Can you control that? You can't control... You, what you can't do is you can't control what arises. Anxiety happens to you. Low mood happens to you. A drop in confidence happens to you. So you can't um, force the cortisol away. Dis- distraction happens to you. But what you can do is you can then have certain techniques that help you manage yourself. Okay. So then you can carry on with those with the behaviours you want to. And what we can hypothesise is that cortisol starts to dissipate and the adrenaline and the testosterone, the performance hormones, kick back in. Can you give us an example of... Of a technique yeah so I will try to not give us give the example of I gave last year which is my game face for instance I don't know if you remember that but um, or if you want me to I can give you the game face as well I don't mind but, I don't remember it okay. so I'm gonna say so we I, haven't I absolutely it. remember all of it but since Daryl doesn't want it you just refresh it so for instance I look okay I'll, I'll give you a working example here I have a client who will remain nameless nameless but he played in the Champions League final 1st of June 2019 okay. uh, so you can narrow it down to around about I don't know 25 players or 28 players however many got on the pitch let's start with what does it rhyme with let's go that way <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you ply me with some vodka so I, <laughs> no that's not true that will not happen and I won't uh, I, I won't be saying anything but um, that player went onto the pitch and he had a game face of relentless and dominant relentless and dominant he made it, his number one objective was that every single action I execute, I'm going to be relentless and dominant. I'm going to be non-stop relentless and dominant. Nothing and no one is going to take me away from relentless dom- and dominant. Every single responsibility within my role, relentless and dominant. We came up with re- relentless and dominant because when you sat with him and you talked to him about his best game, he's, he said, after a few other ideas, it was like, we came up with relentless, I'm relentless, I'm relentless, I'm relentless, I'm dominant, I'm do- dominant body language, I'm relentless with my runs, with my movement, with my pressing, I, you know, I'm dominant in the challenge, in the air. So these kind of things gave him great pictures, you know, a great narrative. So his narrative going into that Champions League final, and this is the crucial thing, wasn't got to win, got to win, got to win, got to win. Of course he wanted to win, but it wasn't got to win, got to win, got to win, got to win. He didn't involve himself in extreme language. It wasn't like got to perform, got to perform, got to perform, got to perform. You know, he was like, yeah, I want to perform, but what have I got to do? I've got to be every single responsibility within my role, relentless and dominant. And if I'm not having the best game, relentless and dominant. That is an example of a game face. One of the England players right now has a game face of... Uh, confident, relentless lion. Uh, there is another player at the moment, I'm trying to think of one, who has a game face of, he's a midfielder, he had, 
Uh, he came second in the assists table last year behind Kevin De Bruyne, so you can look that up. <laughs> and there's all these clues we get to research afterwards. <laughs> he, he, um, he has a game face of met, mates football, effort and energy. Mates football, because when you sit with him, he, puts, he says he puts far too much pressure on himself. So it's like mates football, mates football, mates football. Just like you're playing in your playground and then some intensity in the effort and energy, effort and energy. You know, when I worked with um, a player... Um, I know I can't say that one because that would uh, that would uh, people would know who that is. So so we're so, so close. So, yeah, close. so, so essentially, um, <laughs> and we talked to, actually we talked last year about Carlton Cole when I worked with him. If you remember, he yes. has a game face of aggressive monster. Yes. So when he came on I the do pitch, remember this now. when he came, Taylor's absolutely yeah yeah aggressive, so, monster. aggressive monster. But here's the thing: Godzilla also same thing. Game plays, <laughs> yeah. I think, like that. Yep. Yeah. But here's the thing: you see. And this is the nervous system thing, and this is the knowing and the doing thing. Is yeah, we can have a bit of a chuckle about it, but when you're making your debut, and this was back in 2009 against Spain and their world champions, and your Fabio Capello beckons you down from the back of the bench, and Peter Crouch is coming off, and everything about you wants to go, oh wow, this is my England debut. Don't mess up. Don't 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 look stupid. Don't make big mistakes. You know. Um, and you're going on a pitch and Javi's on there and uh, Iniesta's on there and uh, Pepe Reina's in goal and um, who's the fullback from Spain? Oh, God, losing my marbles here. Um, is, Back uh, then, it uh, would uh, have been... Too, uh, is it too early for Jordi Alba? No, yes, the, the other one. Anyway. It would have been PK centre-back maybe doesn't matter I'm zoned out I can't remember there's a I'm lot there's think. a lot of good players uh. right but <laughs> everything about you wants to go I've got no chance and you've got to you've got to you've got to have something that's going to empower you and his was aggressive monster aggressive monster aggressive runs aggressive movement I'm going to aggressively impose myself on the game and he and, and you've got to embody that you've got to embody that and here's the thing that people where people make mistakes about psychology or sports psychology they think psychology is from the neck upwards it's not it's the whole body. Sports psychology is the whole body. So when we say aggressive monster, it's embodying aggressive monster. It's being it, it's doing it, it's acting it. It's executing every responsibility in that style. That is what a game face is. That is when your nervous system is breaking down. You've got to come back to that game face. You've got to come back to that game face. Was it uh, Sergio Ramos playing right back Thank at the you, time? I think so. Thank there you, you go. Well done, Daryl. You solved Thank it. You. Well done, my friend. It was kind of an obvious answer, wasn't it? It was just we're pretty dumb. <laughs> Which no everyone knows him as a centre back now, right? But back okay, in the day, fair he was yeah, right he was back. I was, I was busy making a list of who I thought the Liverpool player. Or I, I assumed it was Liverpool, and then I started narrowing it down from the way it was being described. We'll, we'll figure we'll, it out. We'll later. figure it out off. We'll it. Maybe, it out maybe we'll see. Um, we, but in we the probably meantime, won't. I feel like Dan's very clever about not giving us not giving us quite enough. Yeah, if there were a person <laughs> who I I did not want to engage in mental gymnastics with, it's this one right here. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going to lose that battle. So we we also remember from last year that you um, you do a day a week at AFC Bournemouth um, in the medical department. In the, very uh, I do a day a week in the medical department, looking after the uh, injured players, looking after any player who would like to have a conversation with me uh, yeah. about very things um, so yeah that, that, that's what I do and I, I, I really enjoy that has that been tougher recently because last time we talked to you they were in the middle of a big upswing right and yeah. everybody loved Bournemouth everybody loved Eddie Howe now they're not doing so well like are more players coming to see you <laughs> it's, 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 look at that smile on your face um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm happy with my own question <laughs> <laughs> you'll be writing that one down later and getting very excited about it reviewing that one um, I, I think I think teams, there's lots of ebbs and flows. Uh, as, we're, as we're speaking now, there's 16 games to go. Um, I think it's going to be really, really challenging. I mean, this is such a tough Premier League season. 
you know, every team is good. And look at Sheffield United. I mean, they've been the surprise package. It, it, it's so enormously challenging. And, and 16 games to go, I think, you know, they're going to do what they... They're going to try to do the things that are going to help them get the most points that they can. Have I answered your question in as cliche a way as I possibly <laughs> kind can? Kind of. But, um, is that the type of thing you would say to the players, or do you have more specific... Oh, no, no, Dale. Yeah, I was on. hoping you wouldn't give them... I'm better than that. Um, <laughs> I've just, you know... Well, can, you not, can you not tell us the specifics of what you've, what you've been no, saying to them? No, I, 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 I really haven't been saying anything to them about relegation or being in a relegation area, because that's not my style. Um, I, I would, as in you don't use the word, or you don't mention the worst-case outcome? I'm, I'm more interested in players having a mental framework for their game. Okay. I'm more interested in them being passionate about having a mental framework. So whether it's the game face, whether it's using their self-talk, whether it's squashing something I call squashing ants, ants being an acronym for automatic negative thoughts. Probably spoke about that last year. You know, those kind of little... Te- <laughs> squashing ants, <laughs> automatic negative thoughts. You know, because right now there's probably, and I don't 100% know, there's probably a, some players there who have an infestation of ants. Maybe an ant farm <laughs> that sort of is uh, uh, occupying their mind right now. And, and it's important for them to be able to clear their mind. So if I am going to have a conversation with a player, it's very much from a practical perspective of, you know, what do you want to achieve from a mental perspective in the next game? I think that's really important. But I don't, I, I, I'm not blessed with the opportunity to work directly with the coaching staff and it's not incumbent on the players that they have to speak to me. Right. So I, I do have some conversations with some players. I don't force myself on players and, and uh, I enjoy those conversations and it's very much tailored towards practical ideas to help them um, uh, deliver. Um, and that's important. But, you know, the narrative right now at the club is, is, is one that's, that's a challenge, definitely. So, you, oh, so, sorry, Bournemouth, so Bournemouth have obviously like, uh, brought you and they appreciate what you do. But are there still clubs, mm. I, I assume it's kind of an outdated idea, but are there mm. still clubs who push back, who don't like the idea of a sports psychologist or mm. sports psychology, that they want it to just be run hard, work hard, score goals, and uh-huh. be fine? I think what that, what that landscape looks like, and it's quite, it's quite complex in as much as it, it's, if complex is the right word, it's, or complicated is probably a better word, it's... It's different at different clubs. Every club has a different ethos. And, and you know, clearly with the clubs that are very much manager-driven, um, it's, it's up to the manager if, if he wants to bring in mm-hmm. uh, a sports psychologist to work with him and his coaching staff and his players. What a lot of clubs are doing now is their medical departments are providing um, a sports psychologist um, maybe a day a week, two days a week, maybe if players want it, so an ad hoc uh, basis, but let me say this, and probably where I can get a bit more intentional with my language here is, it bloody well belies belief that managers don't use sports psychology more. In fact, it is fairly ignorant. They're, most of them are very clueless about this area. You're going to get me started here. It belies belief that a manager who is invested in winning, who has three coaches on his coaching staff, isn't interested in engaging in a psychologist a few times a week to uh, have conversations around ideas, to challenge them, um, to um, bounce ideas off. Um, I think it's downright clueless, to be honest. Uh, and I say that about some of the best guys in the business. So there you go. You wanted the controversial point? You got it. <laughs> we weren't looking for it. But we weren't we looking for it. No. And, and the anger is rising in me right now just thinking about it because it's ridiculous. I mean, you know what gets my goat as well? 
is <laughs> you got me started. I'm, you know what? I'm gets, good with it. <laughs> you know what gets my goat as well is every week we hear about. Uh, uh, clubs in, in the UK and clubs across Europe, we've got to bring in a technical director, we've got to bring in a head of performance. Why don't you bring in a head of methodology? Why don't you bring in somebody who can actually have, you can have a conversation with about what you're doing on the training ground and how efficacious it is? Actually, whether players are learning anything, whether what you're doing is an efficacious way and in line with uh, contemporary research to do with skill acquisition, coaching science, sports psychology. Is what you're doing actually working? Or is it myths and legends and random techniques passed down from what you did as a player and from what you did at your previous club and what you've done from you know, your experiences with a few other coaches? It's just downright ignorant and naive and stupid and daft and dumb. And it's not good enough. It's just not good enough. Do it's you find uh, uh, teams more... Or managers more open to uh, to say a head of methodology or a sports psychologist outside of the UK, like either in the US or across Europe. Um, I just think it's mixed again. So this isn't a UK specific problem. Oh, I think it's a global problem. A global problem, okay. Because I think coach, coach look. Let's do a Venn diagram, right? Let's go back to school and do those Venn diagrams. Yeah, if you remember those. I love Taylor's Venn getting his pen yeah, out. I'm ready. We've got a circle on the left-hand side, and we've got a circle on the right-hand side, and they, they can conjoin. Is that the right word? Yeah. yeah. Or they join up, right? On the left overlap. Hand, they overlap. Oh, they yeah. overlap. Thank you. On the left-hand side, you've got experiential evidence, which is a posh term for just experiences. On the right-hand side, you've got empirical evidence. So what does the research say? What are these really bright brains at universities who are really invested in finding out what great coaching practice looks like from a scientific perspective? What great skill acquisition, what great um, sports psychology looks like from uh, a research perspective? And they overlap, as you say, and you've got to meet in the middle. You've got to meet in the middle. What does best practice look like? What does the research evidence look like? What do your experience tell you? That, to me, is a, a great cocktail of, that produces evidence-based practice. And it's just not good enough in coaching circles. It's not good enough. Globally, it's not good enough. We're not good enough. Sports psychologists haven't been good enough at helping coaches do this really well. In skill acquisition, we haven't been good enough. So, so... That's you know what I want to say is it's just not good enough and, and and to me every single Premier League team needs a head of, head of methodology and if they're not going to provide one then I think the coaches themselves if I was a manager I want somebody there who's going to challenge me I just don't want to go out there and do what I think works I want cutting edge stuff I want to know what they do in other industries rather than siloing ourselves in soccer in football. And saying, well, what everybody else does, does doesn't matter because it's what we do in soccer. Rubbish. What other people do in other sports matters. What the research evidence says suggests matters. But we've got to be able to make sense of that information. Ahead of methodology, and in many respects what I am, I'm a sense maker, or I strive to be, on the psychosocial sides of the game. And that's what we don't talk about. We talk about technical director, which is basically a posh term for head scout. We talk about head of performance, which is a posh term for somebody who's just kind of helping uh, the different departments function together, which is worthwhile, right? Which is good. 
but we need methodology. That needs to be better. That's the 21st century, in my humble opinion. Much more still to come from our chat with Dan Abraham. Uh, He's here to help you get your mind right, especially if you're a soccer player. But if you need to get something else sorted out, then today's sponsor may be able to help you. It's Manscaped. They are the number one company when it comes to men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Uh, Dan has helped many professionals get themselves feeling right and ready. But if you're feeling a bit out of control south of the border, uh, then Manscaped can deal with that as easily as Dan can deal with nervous strikers. I'm sure Dan is loving that I'm incorporating him into this copy. Uh, Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer will not nick or snag. You can imagine the areas they're talking about and how little you would want those areas to be both nicked and snagged. Uh, Manscaped also has other products like the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. So if you are, say, in a crowded convention center for 12 hours a day, as many people have been here in Baltimore at the convention... That's just a nice way to keep things, you know, from getting shaved, from getting uncomfortable, from getting a little bit irritated. Uh, The best part is that Manscaped is giving TSS listeners 20% off plus free shipping with the code TSS at Manscaped.com. One more time, go to Manscaped.com, use code TSS to get 20% off with free shipping. Thank you so, so much to Manscaped for sponsoring today's episode of the Total Soccer Show. Now back to our conversation with Mr. Dan Abraham. Aside from Bournemouth... (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to assume you're going to say Bournemouth. Are there clubs, either in England or elsewhere, who you think are doing a good job? It, not necessarily promoting a, a head of methodology, but yeah. just who do seem to have embraced what you're talking about or the, the things that you hold dear? Um, I think we can all get better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clearly you've got clubs like Manchester City who uh, employ uh, very many great people mm-hmm. to do great work. And, and please don't get me wrong. There's there's lots of great stuff going on at clubs. You know, I just wanted to get on. I felt this was an opportunity to say some pretty strong words. Um, <laughs> and yet you did it without cursing, which we appreciate because we would have to bleep it. So well done, sir. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was very mindful of that. You know, um, <laughs> I, 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 a lot of what I've just said is also based on some, you know, my own personal experience mm-hmm. of which sample size isn't huge. But I think we all need to be better. I need to be a better sports psychologist. I need to be a better sports psychologist. I need to get better. So, you know, I want to find mentors. I want to find different ways of doing things. Every club needs to get better. It's just not good enough to say the way we do things is the right way to do it and, and stuff like that. So, you know, there are clubs out there, Taylor, who are doing some really, really good stuff. I'm not saying they're not. But I just think we need to keep investing. And I'm not, you know, I've not made a comment about Bournemouth at all. I think what Bournemouth do is great. But I just think we need to continue to push the boundaries of what we can achieve, basically. When you, when you said we can do better, as in sports psychologists can do better, mm. I mean, what do you think, uh, not just yourself, but the, you know, the field could do better? Well, look at it this way. I, 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 th- I think that we, we need to continue to help coaches and players have practical tools and techniques. This is kind of how I see the landscape. So from a very basic perspective, if you've got a continuum, a scale, let's call the right-hand side, uh, right-hand side, left-hand side, and you've got the right-hand side, which might be the theory, okay? And, and we've got a lot of people maybe talking about systematic desensitization and inverted U hypothesis, and everyone's like, what on earth is that? We don't know what that is. And then on the left-hand side, you've got the kind of the fluffy stuff and people punching the air and saying, you can achieve anything. The sort of, if I may say, the motivational gurus. The sort of thing David Brent might do. 
kind of yes in that in that in that world yeah exactly so you've got that and i think we have to try and we have to try and hit the middle whereby we're still grounding our work in some sort of evidence mm. and at the same time we can we can try to use language that is inspiring that is interesting and engaging and and actually you know helps players go yeah i love this this is interesting that's why i use terms like game face and controllers right rather than self-regulation let's use the word controller like every you know lots of premier league footballers they they train for an hour and a half have lunch go home play playstation for four hours right so what do they use more than anything else a a controller Mm -hmm. so rather than using self-regulation let's talk talk about controllers every time a footballer walks onto the pitch he's got he or she's got two controllers every time a tennis player walks onto the court two controllers basketball player walks onto the court two controllers you know, you walk onto a golf course, two controllers, self-talk and body, as in body language, self-talk and body. Let's break it down that like that. Game face, squash ants, automatic negative thoughts. Use your controllers. Be in your high-performance mindset, your HPM. And, 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 and with that, therefore, I think the landscape is very, 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 very biased towards coaches. The, the, the psychology education is very biased towards coaches. You go on a coaching course, you'll get some psychology, right? What, what about the players? What about the players? I want players to be passionate about psychology. I want them to be passionate about having a mental framework. Every time you sit down with a player, and I mean really top-level players, and you ask them, what are you trying to achieve mentally? They can't answer it. Mm-hmm. They can't answer that. How is that? How is that possible? I want them to be able to say, Dan, what I'm trying to do is be in my game face. So I'm going to use my controllers. I'm going to use my self-talk. You know, if I get myself in control, if it's not happening for me, I'm going to do everything I can to stay in my high-performance mindset. I want players to be passionate about that. It's not good enough just to have courses. And that's when I sat down to write my first book, Soccer Tough, back in 2012. Plug available on Amazon um, <laughs> and at local independent bookstores no they're not no it's oh, not no. unfortunately yeah, that's that, 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 yeah but, they um, could order it just, in maybe just so they can, <laughs> well said they can order it from Amazon yeah. for you yeah yeah, there you go. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's how it works right? so I, and that's why I wanted to bring it alive I wanted the player to read it and go wow yeah cool you know so chapter one is about memory memory is this it's, it, it's, memory is so important simple question tell me about you at your best tell me about you at your best think about your best game that's just tapping into memory chapter two is about imagination the question there is tell me about your dream game using your imagination i want players to use their memory and imagination every single day one percent of your day is about 15 minutes it's actually about 16 minutes and 20 seconds but (laughs) I feel like it's, it's not about 16, 20 seconds. It is specifically it kind, 16 it minutes and 20 is, seconds yeah. based so on the way that was just said. It, yeah. So <laughs> I want players to go, right, 1% of your day is 15 minutes, mm-hmm. right? 15 minutes every single day, you're going to do some mental rehearsal. 1% time, I call it. Mental rehearsal. It's pockets of two minutes, pockets of three minutes here and there. Picture your game face. Picture... Picture playing in the style of your game face. Picture using your controllers. Picture squashing your ants. Picture being in your high-performance mindset. I want players to be excited about that. So chapter, chapter two was imagination. So, so that's how I wanted to try to bring it alive for players. I didn't want it to be too dry and boring and dull. I wanted it to be intense and exciting. 
And that's why when I sat down and wrote it, I wrote it to my theme track was like Prodigy and Underworld and, <laughs> and, and powerful 80s ballads and things like that, which is Bo- terrible. Born Slippy? Is that what you're going Born with? Born Slippy, yeah, I was there. I was writing the last chapter to Born Slippy, man. That's, that's my generation. Train spotting, 1995. That, yeah. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and I could only write that if I had a really pumping soundtrack behind it. That, that makes sense to me. So it sounds to me like it's essentially translating academic language into terms that are more appealing to soccer players so what you've done Daryl there is you succinctly said what I've said for the last 15 minutes yours is more detailed (laughs) those 15 minutes you're using imagination (laughs) and you're using memory so I feel like we, you've done your, your 1% now. You're good. I, I'm practicing what I preach. There we go. Yeah, I mean, I'm the, meas- the least mentally tough person on the planet. But there, I was actually practicing what I preach, which is a sh- it's unusual for me. How, now, with like, how much has social media and the media itself, how much does that factor into the work you're doing with these players? Because mm-hmm. I am, like, with social media, with Instagram and Twitter specifically, players can be, like, like it shows up right on their phone of, like, you had a, a crap game today. Oh, it's right man. there for them to see. Yeah. How does that impact their ability to continue to play well, to continue to perform at a high level when you're getting that negativity beamed directly at you? It's, it's a really good question. It's really interesting landscape. You know, you kind of, as you're speaking now, I'm thinking, and I'm thinking about how important it is to be so flexible as a team player these days. When you play a team sport, and when I, why I use the word flexible? Because you've got to be, have the capacity to be a team player and be able to communicate with your teammates and be involved in a team setting. But you've also got to have the capacity to look at the world as an individual. I've got to be the best individual I can be and the best teammate I can be. And I've started to answer that question in that manner because you do have to have the capacity to understand that there's going to be a lot of negative feedback out there if you play at the adult elite level, the very top level, and you're in the public eye. And you've got to be able to isolate yourself. You've got to be able to go, you know what, people are going to say these things, but I've got to ignore them, and I've got to focus on me. And I've got to create a narrative around my mental framework. I've got to create a narrative around... And, and this is why one of the most important questions I ask a player, a client, after they've played is, give me a mark out of 10 for your performance. Give me a mark out of 10 for your mindset. And I want to gather in the information and I want them to break it down a little bit. So they might say, well, I was 7 out of 10 for my performance, a good performance, and I was 9 out of 10 for my mindset. Right, talk to me about that. Why so high? What was really good with your mindset? Okay, tell me about 7 out of 10. How can you... Why so high and why, how can you shift that up to 8 out of 10 next time? And the reason why, again, I'm answering it like that is because I want a player to really immerse themselves in their own evaluation mm-hmm. and also the evaluation of their coaches around them. That's such an important conversation and narrative for a player to have because there's so many people around them, whether it's people they know or whether it's people they don't know on social media who want to tell them how they did... And they've got to be able to be, um, whether it's tough enough or strong enough, they've got to be tough-minded enough and self-minded enough to be able to focus on how they feel they did and focus on the coach's feedback. And that is what matters. And that's difficult because you know what? We're designed as human beings from an, elite, from an evolutionary standpoint to care about 
what our society says about us. Yeah. In many respects, that's how we're designed as human beings. We're designed as human beings to get along and to get ahead, to be able to steer a pathway through our social di- the social dynamic around us. And so in many respects, the shiny object in our world is the p- opinion of others. It's alluring. It's very shiny. It's like, I want to know that, and it's very alluring. You, you, you get that dopamine hit by going on Twitter. Right, what did people say about me? And it's almost kind of alluring to go, if, if you feel you had a bad game, you know, what are they saying about me today? Yeah. That can be quite, I, I know but, it's quite strange. So I'm interested in this. What, if, if, you, if people do want that dopamine hit, if they feel like they've had a bad game, what would motivate them to go on Twitter if they're expecting it to be uh, critical of their performance? I can only hypothesize this one, Daryl. Okay. I, 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 think, I think it's because we, our nervous system, our brain, is, is oriented towards danger. Okay. It's oriented towards what are people saying about us, uh, about me, because we've kind of evolved to care about that because it's helped keep us alive. What am I, what's the danger here? What, what are people saying about me? Because 200,000 years ago, we'd want to know that information because it would keep us alive, because it would enable us to climb in our social group, essentially. That person over there is gossiping about me and saying this about me. That's interesting information for me. I need to know that. I need to know, and therefore I can adjust or stay the same or however I want to deal with that. Because they might be coming for me with a big rock. Coming for me with a big rock? No, (laughs) no, it's true. Or preventing me from climbing in my social hierarchy, which is going to keep me alive. So I know it sounds very strange, but in many respects, we are evolutionary designed to go on Twitter and have a look at what people are saying about us, even if we know or have a good guess that what they're going to be saying is pretty unpleasant and disrespectful. And that's a broad brush statement. That's not going to be, there's going to be a lot of individual differences there and a lot of subtle nuances. But that can be, we we are hardwired. We are negatively hardwired. We absolutely have to be. I mean, I can say for Taylor and I, when we publish a show, even if we know it's a good show, we feel like it's a good show, you know, a couple hours later, we'll have a look at Twitter, not deliberately, but it'll Mm. definitely just happen, right? And see what the response is to the show. Yeah. Right? And even if it's mostly positive, there'll be, if there's one negative comment, it'll just... It'll hit harder than all the positive ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That oh. did happen. I, I don't think I've told you that story. That, that did happen in the last, like, since we talked to you in the last year. I, we got one just, like, randomly negative. It wasn't about anything we'd said. I think it was just, like, something annoyed with us for not talking about a thing or whatever. Mm. And it was, like, the first thing I saw when I woke up. And Margaret, my wife, was like, is that, do you get those kind of messages a lot? And I was like, oh, we get them sometimes. And she was like, well, I, it kind of hadn't registered to her that, like, in not a lot of professions do you like get automatic feedback from strangers about your performance and how that it does take that toll a little bit of like do I want to look at it today and like oh randomly I've just gotten a like you suck well that's fun I'm just gonna go on with my day now thanks stranger it yeah. is an it is an odd situation for sure yeah absolutely and it, and it impacts your evaluation of things mm-hmm. the narrative you have in your head you know the inner story you weave. And in many respects, I would say incumbent or important, incumbent is the wrong word, important for you guys is to be able to pick and choose your response as best you can. It's being flexible with your response. Sometimes it's about saying, okay, I'm going to listen to that comment because that might yes, have some value true. for me. And sometimes it's saying, you know what, that's a, a, a cheap thing. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the reality is when you put yourself out there, whether it's a podcast, whether it's writing a book, 
I think you've got to put yourself out there knowing that ultimately you're going to have some disrespectful comments. Um, you know, you're going to have some one stars. You're going to have that. And they, sometimes it's going to be trolling and other times people just won't like what you've got to say or, or, or whatever. And that's just the reality of it. So I think when you can have that narrative where you're rationalizing things, that's really important. And that's what footballers have to do is they have to rationalize things. You know, it's, it's so, so important. And, and I think if we come back to that sporting landscape, that's very difficult because we're so socialized into outcome and performance. It's got to win, got to win, got to win, got to win, got to perform, got to perform, got to perform, got to perform. And they're really, really poor at being able to say, look, I can't control whether we win or lose. I want to win. I can't force a great performance. And in many respects, actually more adaptive is having the capacity to say to yourself, sometimes, sometimes I'm going to have an average performance and that's okay. It's okay. You know, with my clients, I'm saying you've got to accept a 6 out of 10 sometimes because you're a human being. You've got 400 bones in your body. You've got a nervous system that is crazy. It's crazy, <laughs> right? It's going to send thoughts and feelings and stuff like anxiety happens to you. Low mood happens to you. This stuff is going to happen. And, and it's okay to have a 6 out of 10. That's okay. Just how good can we work? How, how can we work on your mindset to make it as good as possible? to optimise your performance, to optimise your ability to react and respond in a manner that helps you emotionally deal with your poorer performances. That's so important. So my, my question then becomes, I know how I was when I was like 18, 19, 20. Yep. I don't know if I would have sought out a sports psychologist if yep. I was having a rough time. When, when you are like going to these clubs or when you're meeting these players for the first time, I imagine there is a little bit of that hesitation. How do you, do you have ways of breaking through that? Do you have an approach when you're first meeting a player who's maybe a little bit standoffish about what's to come or what the experience is going to be like? I, I think the first way to answer that is if you're doing a group session for me, I try to make it as fun, as upbeat, mm. as engaging as possible. I want to scaffold my language, as you said there, Darryl, Matt Darrell, make it accessible. Uh, that to me is important mm -hmm. um, whilst not compromising on truth in inverted commas on, on what the theory says but as I said I'm not going to say individual zone of optimal functioning I'm going to say game face so I think that's my first strategy my second strategy is and this is why when I started working in soccer 15 years ago 16 years ago I got involved with non-league level at, uh, in, in England because I wanted to learn the language of the game I wanted to learn the specific challenges that players face. And so in that way, I've become more believable. So I think that's important. Language. Because oh, then you're not just like an outsider coming yeah, in. With, yeah, absolutely. Now, there is a caveat to that, if I may say, whereby the reality is, I mean, I've been lead psychologist for England rugby for a bit, a couple of years ago, and I don't really know that much about rugby. And so the way I kind of sold myself there was, look, you've got plenty of people around you who know so much about rugby who have forgotten more than I'll ever know about rugby I'm not here for that but I'm passionate about human performance and that's where I can help you so let me say there is a caveat to that but I think if I sit down with individually with a player it really is it, it's listening to them it's empathising and I, I would say to you Taylor I think where players are so much more open now mm -hmm. is they're craving to be listened to they're craving to offload 
they're craving to have ideas to help them be the best that they can be. I think we have gone past that era where players are sceptical, by and large, and I think they want to speak to, pe- to, to people like myself. So I think, by and large, they're open-minded about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think they are open-minded, mm-hmm. but the better I am at what I do, the better material I have or techniques I have, the more relevant techniques I have, the better I can get it across, then I, I, I think that's the way to engage players. You know, if you think back to your 18-year-old former self, if I did have the opportunity to get in the room with you, mm-hmm. you know, one of my first questions would be, you know, if it was a soccer-specific challenge that you've got Taylor tell me about you at your best mm-hmm. you know I wanted to get you at your change your language change your narrative onto that we're going to get excited here about that and then we'd build a game face and we'd talk around that and, and, and start getting you excited about that the and answer would be dribbling past 10 people what's that yeah yeah, yeah. sure I'll take that I'll, t- I'll take that why not Which, I want to know about best games not dream games <laughs> <laughs> It's a solid burn, Dan. It's a solid burn. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, what is, what's next for you? So, you're at the convention yep. right now. Yeah. What have you got planned in the near future? Hey, you know what? I don't know. I, I, I think, well, I, I do know and I don't know. It's, it's always really interesting in my world. You never know what kind of emails are going to come through and what phone calls you receive. As I say, I'm doing a day a week in, in the medical department at Bournemouth, which is ongoing. I'm always working with individuals, um, so that's really cool. I'm, I'm coming over to... Um, uh, North Carolina in March to do a two-day um, course, um, which is going to be great fun working with um, uh, soccer coaches. Um, teacher course? Sorry, teacher course? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, this is how you know. This is how you can improve your psychosocial delivery, yeah. psychology and social delivery. This is how you you can deliver uh, this in your your coaching practice. So that's really cool. I want to get over to the states more, and that's what I plan to do actually, and do those courses work more over here i have an online academy um which we supported 12 college programs in the full season just gone and wow it's really interesting getting involved in the college system over here it is big it is vast it is complex it is it's a whole thing wow it's amazing coming from england as you know daryl and it's just like wow it's mind-blowing so you already off to a good start by calling it college because i think I, i told an english person once i went to college and they were like oh like, I would have thought you went to university. And I was like, oh, those are different things. Yes. Okay. So you're already <laughs> yeah, saying, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. Terms down. We're going to have sixth form college. But, yeah, college programs. and So that was awesome. And all 12 of those programs, I think, are signing up again. So that's good. So there's been some success there. I supported four high school programs. And that's the college and the high school program looks like it's going to double for next full season. And a lot of clubs are starting to sign up to that. And it's basically, uh, it, it's basically a video and uh, email support program. Because so many clubs and colleges and high schools, you know, they can't necessarily afford to have sports psychologists. Um, And also there's that dynamic where a sports psychologist will come in and speak for an hour and then they go. Well, at the Dan Abraham Soccer Academy, you get 24-7 support with the videos and a couple of emails a week, you know, going in depth on topics. So so I'm really trying to to push that and and get more involved in college programs and high school programs over here. So that's awesome. Is it all you or do you have staff now? No, it's just me. You're it's a one-man band. I'm a one-man band, and I want it to stay that way because I really enjoy it that, like that. And then just I'm producing the videos. The videos are whiteboard animations. 
you know, and they're really engaging. They basically, I was going to do talking head videos, but that's dull, that's boring. So I want to do whiteboard animations. They're fun, they're engaging. What scientific research suggests is that people retain up to 15% more information with whiteboard animations because, huh. as I say, they're fun, they're engaging. People are trying to predict what's coming up next. They, 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 they learn them at a deeper level, essentially. So does this look a bit like, um, you know, Tifo football? Do you know those guys? I don't, but basically it looks like that hand that comes up and draws. Yeah, they're not far, yeah, a similar sort yeah, of thing that, with a voiceover to it. Yeah, and, yeah. voiceover, but it's all... Uh, the, 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 the psych stuff and you learn about game face and match script and squashing ants and using controllers and all these kind of things so yeah <laughs> it's awesome did I say something funny there no I just the squashing I, ants thing is a, a really thing funny is like image. my favourite new thing yeah, <laughs> yeah. squash those ants <laughs> Well, Dan, thank you so much, as always, for taking the time. It's awesome. lovely to see you. It's, you. it's it's always an, enjo- an enjoyable conversation that tends to cover a lot of stuff that I did not see coming. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things about it. So thank you again. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Last year, I was ill and lost my voice. I'm now losing my voice again because I'm kind of <laughs> getting very animated. We'll give things. you a year to recover and we'll catch up again in January 2021. I really look forward to that. Thanks, guys. Thanks.